The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Coming up today on the Local Government News Roundup, a councillor's suspension put on hold by VCAT. State government claims of housing supply progress challenged by a Melbourne mayor. Local government identities recognised with Australia Day honours. New South Wales councils seek rate variations to deal with financial challenges. A mayor to run for parliament while an MP quits to run for council. Yes, you heard that right. And a UK council takes a £200 million hit on a disastrous investment. Just some of the local government stories getting our attention today. It's time to round them up. Hello, I'm Chris Eddy. Thanks for joining me for your curated selection of stories from and about councils across Australia and beyond. The podcast is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, with support from Davidson, the nationally recognised local government recruitment and business advisory service. Wyndham City Councillor Jasmine Hill has reportedly resumed councillor duties pending an appeal against her suspension by a councillor conduct panel. Councillor Hill was found guilty of serious misconduct resulting in a four-month suspension commencing last December. Wyndham TV reports that VCAT deemed it prejudicial for the suspension to continue before the appeal could be heard, which the Roundup understands will occur in May. Councillor Hill has vigorously denied the allegations leading to the suspension. The state government says it has made significant progress in clearing a backlog of housing approvals, with 60% of 1,400 planning permit applications for townhouses or apartments cleared. This has resulted in the approval of 2,826 new dwellings. The government is also fast-tracking approvals and repurposing underused land for housing, such as a former University of Melbourne campus, into a mixed-use development, providing about 350 homes. Additionally, Homes Victoria is developing land for 206 new social and affordable homes. But the Mayor of Burundara, Councillor Lisa Hollingsworth, has described the government's figures as, quote, simply disingenuous and misrepresenting the facts to cover up their own failures, according to a report in The Herald Sun. Councillor Hollingsworth said the applications were already well progressed in the local government system 
and that the state government has not cleared any applications in Burundara. She said taking credit for Burundara's work is not only misleading, but disrespectful to the hard work put in by applicants, the community and council. The Bass Coast Post has a story about Bass Coast Councillor Les Lark, whom it reports has been abstaining from voting in council meetings without explanation, a move that has raised eyebrows. His abstentions, which are counted as no votes, have been on some key issues, such as funding for the Bass Coast Dinosaurs Trail and divesting from banks funding fossil fuel projects. Despite rarely speaking at meetings, not serving on any committees and not attending community events, Councillor Lark continues to participate in council meetings via Zoom, according to the report. He's not responded to questions from the Post about his voting history and the tendency to abstain from some key decisions. A Harry Potter-themed event to be staged in the Briars Nature Reserve in Mornington Peninsula Shire is going ahead, despite opposition from residents and concerns from some about the transparency of the decision to proceed. The Shire's approval came after councillors were asked to sign non-disclosure agreements, sparking criticism from transparency advocates. The Guardian reports that the non-disclosure agreement was a commercial requirement from Warner Brothers and the events company. A council spokesperson said it was due to the commercial in confidence nature of the decision and was only required for the council vote in August. Local government has been well represented in the Australia Day Honours list for 2024. Former three-term mayor and long-term councillor at Hobson's Bay, Angela Altair, was awarded a Medal of the Order of Australia. Others to be recognised with an OAM for service to local government include Edward Bartley of Berkshire, Janet Clifford in the Whitsundays, Robert Grant of Cheltenham in South Australia, Mary Lou Jarvis of Rose Bay, New South Wales, Winston Johnston on the Sunshine Coast, Anna Jones Speedy from Wodonga, Leo McManus in Claremont, Western Australia, Carol Ann Proven of Sutherlandshire in New South Wales, Peter Reynolds of Barrel, and former Melbourne Deputy Lord Mayor Susan Riley. Former Brimbank Administrator and experienced Board Chair Peter Lewinsky has been made a member of the Order of Australia, as has Susanna Sheed, former parliamentarian and current Administrator at Moira Shire Council. And Sydney Council CEO Monica Barone has been awarded the Public Service Medal for outstanding service to the local government sector and resilient Sydney. That's by no means an exhaustive list. You can find links to the complete lists of all 1,042 Australians recognised this year in the show notes. A few New South Wales councils making news at the moment. In Lithgow, the council has expressed disappointment over the National Australia Bank's decision to close its Lithgow branch without consulting residents. The closure is seen as a blow to the community and economy, particularly impacting those who rely on face-to-face banking services. Mayor Marie Statham said it was an insult to our residents who have supported the bank through a long and loyal history in Lithgow. NAB has assured that no existing staff will be unemployed, offering them the option to work from home or relocate to another branch. Orange Mayor Jason Hamling welcomed the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to Orange on the weekend as work begins on the new $33.5 million Orange Regional Conservatorium and Planetarium. The 18-month project will employ local people and contractors with 500 to 700 individuals working on the project at different times. The project includes a 275-seat auditorium, a 65-seat planetarium auditorium, 40 practice studios and other facilities. The budget 
budget for the project is shared between the Australian Government, the New South Wales Government and Orange City Council. Shoalhaven City Council will today consider lodging a special rate variation application due to financial challenges from natural disasters, the COVID pandemic and investment in new assets. The proposed SRV options aim to increase investment in asset renewal closer to the Office of Local Government benchmark of 100%. A community engagement survey received 2,175 responses with 33.1% supporting a staged SRV implementation over three years and 468 submissions relating to organisational management, asset management and the affordability of increased rates. Blaney Shire Council has resolved to apply for a special rate variation of 10% per annum for three years. The decision follows community engagement on the proposal with key issues raised including affordability, financial impact on farmers and the importance of maintaining current service levels. The majority of submissions received were against the proposed SRV. The council says it plans to advocate for further support from state and federal governments, especially for councils impacted by mining operations and renewable energy. Upper Huntershire Council's financial situation is the subject of a report today from the Newcastle Herald. The Herald says the council will operate with a deficit until 2032 and is considering a special rate variation to deal with a debt of $32 million. The local government minister is said to be monitoring the council's situation after a petition seeking government intervention was received by the parliament in December. Perth Lord Mayor and TV personality Basil Zemplis has announced his intention to seek pre-selection for the WA Liberal Party, aiming to secure the seat of Churchlands in Perth's western suburbs. The seat was lost by the Liberal Party to Labor's Christine Tonkin in the last election. ABC News reports that this news follows months of speculation about Mr Zemplis's political ambitions. He's been the Lord Mayor of Perth since 2020, after some years as a high-profile radio and television idea. In Queensland, Labor MP Jim Madden has flipped that script. He's resigned from Parliament with immediate effect to run for Ipswich City Council in the upcoming elections, as reported by the Courier-Mail. Madden, who was previously accused of bullying and harassment, will stand for Ipswich City Council's Division 4 at the March 16 election. Premier Stephen Miles has announced that the by-election to replace Mr Madden will also be held on the 16th of March. Noosa Council is seeking a meeting with Queensland's Transport Minister to address community concerns about the condition of the Kuroi Railway Bridge and related road network issues. The situation has become more urgent due to the state's plan to upgrade the Lake Macdonald Dam, which will increase construction traffic. The council has also raised safety concerns about two local intersections. The council is urging for a thorough review of the bridge's condition and an anticipated timeline for a new bridge. In Tasmania, Shane Eberhardt has been formally appointed as the interim CEO of the City of Launceston, a decision endorsed by all but one councillor. Eberhardt, who previously served in the role from last November through to the 1st of this month, will resume the position on the 3rd of February, following the departure of Michael Stretton, who's going to the CEO role at Hobart City Council. The advocate reported that the appointment raised questions around the council table about the decision-making process and and the delegation of powers to the CEO. An external agency, LG Services Group, is conducting a nationwide search for a permanent CEO. 
Devonport City Council is seeking community feedback on its draft Devonport event strategy aimed at transforming Devonport into a premier regional event destination. The strategy focuses on creating a conducive environment for high-quality events, developing local event capabilities and defining the council's role in shaping the city's event landscape. By 2030, the council envisions a diverse portfolio of events, including at least one annual signature event. The public consultation closes on the 26th of February. Now on the local government news roundup, it's time for the international spotlight. New Zealand's coalition government has scrapped the electoral legislation bill which would have allowed 16-year-olds to vote in council elections. Local government minister Simeon Brown said that supporting the bill would be a costly distraction for councils. That's according to a report from One News. Critics of the idea have welcomed the decision, arguing that lowering the voting age was a misguided idea. Justice Minister Paul Goldsmith has previously ruled out lowering the voting age in general elections to 16. In the UK, and Thurrock Council is set to sell solar farms at a loss of around £200 million to the taxpayer following ruinous investments that led to the council's dire financial situation. The farms, financed through secretive deals, will be sold for approximately £700 million, significantly less than the total owed to the council. The sale is expected to reduce the council's debt by over £500 million and contribute significantly to its financial recovery. The bureauinvestigates.com has more details. Link in the show notes. Council tax for second and empty homes in Brighton and Hove will double from next year, a measure unanimously decided by the council to address housing supply issues. The BBC reports that the premium tax rate is expected to generate about £2.1 million from nearly 1,900 properties. Councillor Gil Williams said the number of people contacting councillors looking for help in finding a home was heartbreaking. And three UK councils, Canterbury, Dover and Thanet, continue to face disruption to their online services due to a cyber attack. The incident, which has affected council tax payments and online forms, is under investigation. TechCrunch.com reports that initial findings suggested no customer data was accessed, but the Information Commissioner's Office has received a breach report. The incident is linked to East Kent services used by all three councils for IT and HR services. That company's website and some payment systems remain offline and the nature of the cyber attack is still unknown. And that's the latest from the Roundup. This has been episode 299, recorded on the 29th of January 2024 and brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Davidson. You can find the links to the stories referenced in this episode along with a full transcript at lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates and learn how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. The Local Government News Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll have more Local Government News for you very soon. Until our next episode, thanks for listening and bye for now. The Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association. 
As Victorian councils go to elections later this year, the VLGA is ready to support communities and councils in good governance. A series of workshops has been designed to increase understanding of the local government sector, the work of councils and the role of a councillor. Registrations are being taken now for workshops in May on standing for local government and local women leading change. And member councils should look out for the VLGA's 2024 local government election pre-candidate prospectus, available soon. Find out more about how the VLGA can support your council and community during this important time in the local government election cycle. Visit vlga.org.au.